Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. At least 11 people have died since severe winter storms battered the San Bernardino Mountains with historic snowfall. But the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department claims only one of those deaths was storm-related. The department says the other deaths involved people who were already under medical care. Here's Sheriff Shannon Dykus speaking to Fox 11 in Los Angeles. There are no other deaths as of now that uh, we're aware of. Obviously, as we continue to clear buildings, if we find somebody that's related to that, I will certainly report out that it's a storm-related death. We just aren't seeing that. Dykus says authorities are focusing right now on outlying communities when it comes to rescue efforts. And the department is activating a reverse 911 call system, which the sheriff says will help give them a better idea of how many residents are actually stranded. In Northern California, thousands of residents and businesses in Nevada County have been without power for several days due to the ongoing winter storms. Pacific Gas and Electric says it expects to have the power back up for most of its customers by this evening. Without power, heat and electricity, many families are struggling to get food on the table. Phil Alonzo is executive director of the Interfaith Food Ministry of Nevada County, which distributes food in the community. He says he got an urgent call from the County Office of Emergency Services. We need to get some food out to the little town of Washington. It's a small, isolated community up off Highway 20 outside Nevada City, and they are completely inaccessible and um, out of power. And so they had the Office of Emergency Services use one of their big trucks come to our facility, get loaded up with a bunch of bags and boxes of food, and they drove it out. Alonzo says he's seen a big uptick in families coming through looking for food. He says many of the volunteers are dealing with outages themselves, but they're still helping out those who need assistance. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. Knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
Public health officials in California are calling on the governor to reconsider a plan to slash funding to a training program for public health workers. CAP Radio's health care reporter Kate Wolf has the story. Last year, California committed millions to train workers in specialties like epidemiology, microbiology, and public health nursing. Now, Governor Gavin Newsom's office is proposing significant reductions to the program. That's because they're projecting a nearly $23 billion gap in the budget. Dr. Nancy Williams is the public health officer for El Dorado County. She says she worries that if another new disease crops up, the public health system won't be prepared. If it happened and we we weren't there to respond, people would say, well, where were you? How come you weren't doing this? Didn't you know better? But that's why we need the people. We need to be on top of these things and be able to respond faster next time. The governor's office says despite the cut, they're still putting $300 million a year into statewide public health efforts. For The California Report, I'm Kate Wolf. With just four months left before California closes its state-run juvenile lockups for good, county officials are ringing alarm bells, saying they need more state support to make the historic transition successful. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports. The June 30th closure of the Department of Juvenile Justice will cap a years-long reform effort. It's centered around the idea that young offenders will do better closer to home and in less institutional settings. An estimated 170 young offenders in state DJJ facilities will be sent back to their home counties this summer. And local probation departments will be in charge of their supervision and rehabilitation. Lassen County Chief Probation Officer Jennifer Branning is president of the Chief Probation Officers of California. Branning says she does see a lot of opportunity ahead. We've been doing this. We know how to do this. We know how to provide services. We know what services these kids need. We're really good at it. We just need the support to continue doing it. Brannings and other chiefs say the more than $200 million budgeted this year to help smooth the transition isn't enough. Their concerns include the practical. How do you run an entire program for a sex offender if the county only has one kid with those needs at a time? Are there enough staff, especially in rural counties? And they're also logistical, Branning says, like the question of where to house and treat young people coming back from DJJ who were convicted of violent crimes and can be as old as age 26. I am most concerned about the youth that are coming back from DJJ mixing with a more vulnerable population and how that's going to really have damaging effects Dan McAleer is the executive director of the Center on Juvenile and Criminal Justice and a longtime proponent of DJJ closure. He says counties have plenty of room and resources to make this transition work. We've got 12,000 juvenile hall beds and only about 3,600 kids in them. They have the institutional space. Now, uh, do they have the will is the, is the question. If you're just looking at bed space, one could argue that we are in a good position to receive them back. Issa Amon Krauss is Contra Costa County's probation chief. What I don't feel has been adequately considered is the higher need level of these young people, uh, whether or not counties have existing resources or the ability to even grow the capacity for those resources locally. Eamon Krause says she's learned a lot over the past two years since the state stopped taking new youths into DJJ, like that keeping those more serious offenders in Contra Costa Juvenile Hall is costing three times what the state is providing. 
That doesn't include all of the dollars we've invested in our educational partners, and that doesn't include the money we've invested in a social worker for the public defender's office. I mean, really robust programming to to meet these kids' needs, to really put them on the right path for success, right? The governor's office says it's giving counties hundreds of millions of dollars to make this change work. The probation chiefs say they hope to convince state lawmakers over the coming months that even more resources and support will be needed. For The California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, March 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. The California Healthcare Foundation, listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines their pursuit of good health on the web at chcf.org lbca. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.